So it's been um, like a week and a half since you guys were here, I think. How are you feeling? About like that. Yesterday was the first day that my back did not hurt. Whoa. I mean, it's been getting better, you know, so every right. day has been better. But yesterday was the first day I was like, yeah, man, like I'm I'm 10 years younger. Felt hmm. good. And then this morning, you know, I'm back to like five years younger. <laughs> oh, wow. I can feel it a little bit, but it's Did you get it's diagnosed or you just uh, ignore it like I do? Uh, no, I went to the doctor um, probably before the show last week. And it sounded like it was just some crazy muscle spasm, something or other. I mean, you know, wasn't a, a big You've been problem. running in the meantime? I did start running this week again, finally. I took all last week off, which was weird and nice, but mostly weird. Um, and I went back to it Monday this week and didn't hurt the entire run, which was awesome. Like, you know, I was expecting every step to kind of be shooting pain or something like that. And it wasn't, so... Yeah. Did you I'm say you're training for a marathon right now? Half marathon. Half marathon. Yes. But there's a yeah. schedule to do that, right? As there is, and I'm, training. I'm well behind on it hmm. now. So I was actually thinking this morning about not doing it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so I'll just say that out loud so everybody can get on me and keep me to it. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about not doing it myself. A dumb question. I always was curious, and I could ask you. If you're training to do a half marathon or even a marathon, how many times will you run the full half marathon before you actually do the schedule date and competition? You usually don't in the training. You usually really? you, run... You work up until you're just kind of on the edge of it? Yeah, you um, you go right up to it about two weeks before. A half marathon is not quite the same. Sometimes you'll actually get up to it because it's not it's not an extreme distance. The full marathon, it's uh, you know 26.2 miles. So the longest run you do in training is 20 miles. Really? And that is i think two weeks before the race so you go up and then you taper down pretty sharply over two weeks to let your body rest because you won't really lose aerobic you know like your strength your aerobic strength over two Mm. weeks so you taper it back down a little bit and then you're nice and fresh for the full race and it also i I realized this it if you go the full distance in training you won't want to do it in a race because it's just right. miserable. So if you go so you save almost the there, for the day. yeah, you're like, oh, cool. I, it's just a little bit more. I can do this. And then once you're out on the road on the race, you kind of just have to finish it. So, hmm. yeah. But with a half marathon, it's it's a little different. Different training, you know, packages or schedules will kind of give you different ways to get to the distance or not or whatever. But yeah, I always pick a, a training schedule a different one and we'll try to follow it and it lays out your weeks you know kind of the ups and downs of the of the uh training for the week and then the whole thing kind of grows over the course of it jenny my wife just doesn't and then she just runs a half marathon Hmm. one time she she just doesn't follow a plan she'll run a couple of times over the course of whatever weeks and then just runs it so wow she ran a, a, I think it was a 15K when she was 38 weeks pregnant oh. with her last kid. It was really funny because she was, and it was this race where everybody dresses up and they wear like crazy costumes and stuff in Savannah. And it was over this bridge. And so it was a 5K over the bridge. And so depending on which race you ran is how many times you crossed the bridge. So it was like 5, 10, 15, whatever. And so I have this photo of her coming back across the bridge and this is like a suspension bridge like a crazy bridge 
she's coming back over the bridge in like a multicolor tutu and her roller derby outfit and this giant belly just about to burst. And she's like <laughs> smiling, <laughs> running across the line. Pretty awesome. That's crazy. Anyway, so that's my, my back. What have you guys been up to? I've just been playing catch up since I got back and I have a few videos in the hopper. So I think this, this week I might publish the, the Buddha head video. Finally, people have been seeing it. I've been showing it off and I, I got that video cut together. I got our video cut together. I just got to tweak them all tonight. Just playing catch up and cleaning up. Uh, it gets to the point where all of a sudden I look around the property and there's like 20 empty buckets and piles of rocks everywhere. So it's, it's pretty, pretty big job managing just keeping the place looking like it's not a you know i'll start wearing overalls with no shirt underneath it and get myself half of a bus you know it's like i'm i gotta always try and fight the urge for that to happen around here why why fight that (laughs) believe me it's so easy to slip right into that i got my overalls waiting hanging in the closet my crazy old beat up straw hat (laughs) getting ready to throw all my t-shirts away and then the neighbor up the road's got a beautiful half bus that's crushed by a tree, so I think I could just probably <laughs> drag it just as is, and I won't even have to wait for it to age. Nice. No, it's just uh, it's just a struggle. It's just a struggle, and the birds and this and that. Yeah, but it's all good. It's coming together slowly, and uh, I live with someone that initiates a lot of construction projects, which really get me frustrated. So that's <laughs> coming to a close. <laughs> The idea of starting frustrating, unfinishable construction projects is coming to an end. I put my foot down. I said, that's it. No more. (laughs) No more. No end in sight construction projects Mm. ever again. Yeah. Not until there's a schedule, a payment schedule, uh, you know, everything is ordered in place. Because now the the barn roof is held up because Taylor traveled to Europe and while she was gone, the wrong window skylight bezels came in from Lowe's and you can't just go pick them up you have to order them from the Lowe's depot that's on Jupiter and you got to wait for the right <laughs> rockets to come back and forth you know that bring in preserves and materials and so we had to return the ones back to Jupiter and then the ones that are coming they can't use the same rocket they got to use like three different rockets to get all the parts back <laughs> to America wow. it's so complicated it really is. You think like, Man. okay, is it in Albany? Where's the Lowe's? I'll just go there and get them. Like, they don't tell you anything. You just got to wait for a mysterious truck to just show up one day with two people that are completely apathetic and you wonder if they even knew how to drive. And they just slowly, oh, yeah. with like back braces on, just kind of slowly lumber out of the car. I've had those and, same two guys. <laughs> yeah, and I go, hey, where are you guys from? And they say some, they're like, I'm from uh, the seashore in New Jersey. I'm like, you're like 400 miles away from home. I go, no. Like it's just they're like so <laughs> upset and despondent, and they're like slowly kicking your boxes off the back of your truck, and you're like, "Thanks, have a great day." And like, mm. like loosely let go of a piece of paper as they get in, and it floats to the ground. It's like sign that. Yeah, so that's what I'm waiting for them to come back. <laughs> you tell them frustrated. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's what's been going on. I have a barn that's half finished. Mm. It only cost me three hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah, but that's good. Everything's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just venting. Uh, that's yeah, funny. But that's good. I got a good list of projects I'm excited to sink my teeth into. A little fun project. Maker Camp is coming up, and Wesley Treat and I are working together. 
he designed a sign that says all makers welcome and it's going to have real neon and real strobe bulbs in it and stuff and i'm going to do a little bit more of the heavy construction stuff i'm good at and he's going to work on what he's good at he designed it and we're going to build it here so yesterday all the metal came and prepped for that so i'm going to we're going to build the frame i'll have the frame ready before he gets here and then he's going to drive up with the neon from texas and we'll assemble it and put it together here and paint it on site and potentially hang it. It's going to be about a nine-foot sign that says, All Makers Welcome, kind of a marquee sign that comes down the side of the building. We're going to potentially either hang it inside this barn or on the outside of the barn. We're going to decide once we get it together. So that's exciting. So that's, we're going to do that, and that's a cool welding framed-up project. It's going to be like a legit sign that would be hanging outside of a bar, say, made in like the 19... 20s, 30s, 40s, it's going to kind of have that nostalgic feel. And the boat's coming along. I finally got halfway up one side to the center. So today I'll slice down the middle and make the middle of the keel flat up from one side and then slowly bring up the other side. But not, not that slowly, not as slowly as it's taken me to get this far. I always start these things with such vigor and then all of a sudden it's like a month has gone by and I haven't touched it. So I've been forcing myself every night to do something to it. Mm. But yeah, everything's good. I mean, at all long-term projects are like that, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, like you, you're working on the car. Same thing. Like you, go, I haven't touched the car in a month. I gotta, I gotta go now. I gotta go right yeah. now. And you like get out of bed. You're like, I'm gonna go do it right now. <laughs> it's longer than a month. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but I'm saying you're like laying in yeah. bed and you're like, wait, I can't sleep. I can go work on it now. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. That, then I won't be able to get to bed till five. And then if I get, like, then I won't be at five. That means I won't be able to wake up till ten thirty. <laughs> Should I go? I just wasted five minutes thinking about it. Yeah. Oh, I, just lost my I could have gotten something done. <laughs> yep. Yep. David, what have you been up to? Well, this week we are all releasing our video, so I'm working on that edit now. And uh, it's uh, it's kind of a different edit just because it's in two different places. And I'm trying to... It, it, it feels like I'm editing somebody else's video just because it's shot different. So I'm uh, working on that, figuring that out. I think it's going to come out pretty darn good. We're all releasing that tomorrow, which for the listeners is yesterday or even the day before. Yeah. And uh, then I, a couple of days ago, we put out a video where I took a, a cheap storage crate that you would get from Walmart or target and i kept the drawers and remade the the case for it and that came out really good i it was really just one of those things where we just kind of designed it on the fly and see what happens and, and then at the end we donated it to the goodwill and so somebody got a nice storage oh, that's cart. Cool. yeah i saw i saw the still of it i thought it was a really clever idea to take something like that and you always overload those things and they just give up. One day you come in and all your stuff's like on the floor. It's like, sorry, I just couldn't take it anymore. Right, exactly. Like, commit suicide. For for whatever reason, I really dislike making drawers. And so I kept the drawers Not and alone. just made the... Yeah, yeah. Nobody likes making drawers. So, And the yeah, video seems to be doing pretty good, which I'm, which I'm happy. I, I really enjoy taking the everyday things and just kind of upgrading them and doing something different with them. Recently bought a lava lamp that I'm going to turn into some sort of like piece of furniture, sculpture type thing that incorporates the lava lamp and got a little like like a little desktop fan that I'm just going to gut and, and redo. And I don't know, I'm trying to get out of the average woodworking projects and just do more weird, crazy stuff because 
that's fun. And sometimes they fail, which is not fun, but it's fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, not actual fun. <laughs> it makes makes for a good video. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I haven't watched... Go ahead. I was just going to say, it was so awkward donating the, the uh, storage crate to Goodwill. Because I... For visual purposes, I use the Impala to drop it off. And so I get to the Goodwill and I set up a GoPro across the street on a, on a lamp post. And I have a, a camera on, on the dashboard and I drive up. And the guy who's working there helping people take in the donations is just like, looks at the car and is like, and is just staring. Like you can just tell, like, he really likes the car. And I was like, oh, I don't want attention. I don't want to talk to a guy. I just want to drop this off. And so I, I kind of timed it where he was helping another lady bring stuff in. And that's when I like, hit record and then go drop the thing off by the door and then take off real fast. You should have just driven by and thrown it out the window. <laughs> <laughs> just like, that would have been a better ending, It just yeah. hits in splinters and yeah. like, well, oh well. I tried. <laughs> I had a great conversation on my Discord about doing some of these weird projects and then just getting rid of them or donating them at the end. And I was saying, like, maybe the next time I might take it to, like, a street corner, put a free sign on there, and then mm. be on the other side with a camera to film that. And then a couple – it started the conversation – and my friend Jonathan said, well, what if you gave it away on Facebook Marketplace or did a trade and then you took that trade and then had to do something with that? So that might Ooh. turn into a cool little series. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was brilliant. That could be awesome. Hmm. Excellent. Well, um, you guys did more interesting things than I did <laughs> this week. Um what did I do? I've been working on an upcoming uh, an upcoming video. I guess I've talked about it. Have I talked about the lightsaber? With us, you have. Yeah. I don't know if I talked about it on the show, but whatever. Um, I decided a while back to replicate Luke's lightsaber from um, Empire Strikes Back and A New Hope. And they're built. the original ones were built off of a Graflex uh, flash holder. It's like... Just a, a handle. That's the word I'm looking for. So it's a handle for a flash for an old camera. And um, I tracked one of these down. And so I've been planning on uh, re replacing, well, not really replacing, building a, re the parts to make it look, all of the things that they add to the original handle to make it look like a lightsaber. So I want to make a screen accurate, like legit looking, fully metal and rubber, you know, where it needs to be rubber, where it needs to be metal, like just going all the way. Um, and so this week, I've been planning this for a long time. I've been doing a lot of research, and there's there's a whole lot of documentation about it. I found a really amazing PDF that a whole bunch of people have worked on putting it together that chronicles, like, all of the different scenes and all the different versions of stunt props or hero props or how it changed between this location and this location because of corrosion and how they had to fix, you know, all it's just, it's an insane amount of information. So I've been pouring over that for quite a while. I've been planning all of the different parts. And then when I was in uh, California recently, we were hanging out with Frank Capolito. And so I was asking him about some of the machining stuff and he was like, well, let me give you a lesson real quick. So we hopped on, he hopped on his big lathe and made 
a significant, it's just a cylinder of aluminum, but he made the piece, the big piece that I needed for this thing. And all along the way was telling me what he was doing, why he was doing it, what he was using. And it was, it was the most concentrated. I mean, it was 20 minutes. It was the most concentrated lathe uh, information I've ever had. It was so, I walked away from there going, Oh, like, got it. I understand. Yeah. Like I, I, I kind of see what he's doing. I saw how careful he was and how not careful he was in different situations and why I saw that he was using a boring bar and I understood why. And I never realized that I needed a boring bar, but now I have one. And you know, all of these things, I walked away with a bunch of information and a piece for my lightsaber made by somebody who actually makes lightsabers for like the shows and stuff. So that's pretty rad. And so this week we finally dove into executing on all of that research and all of that stuff. And so this week has been really, really fun because I've been doing 3D printing for a couple small parts and molding and casting. And I've been machining stuff that I never would have had the courage to do before this. And it totally worked. And I'm really proud of the pieces that I made. And yeah. It's, great. it's been it's been very very cool. So it's been a good week. And today or tomorrow we should be able to actually like put the whole thing together and see if it looks. The goal is like the video is, can I take the same starting point that they they started with and can I make it look exactly like the movie? And I've got uh, a Disney replica of the same saber, which is not exactly screen accurate, but it's physically here in my hand. So I'm looking at it and you know images online and I'm trying to find like the perfect mix of all of those things and so that's to see if in the video is is to see if i can get there and i actually don't know yet because i don't know how it's really going to turn out but i'm pretty pretty excited about that so that's what i've been up to it's been a fun week it's when you don't know the outcome those are the videos that i'm really enjoying the most like Mm. like anything can happen yeah hopefully this works we have a goal we're going to have a video no matter what happens yeah, yeah um it's been interesting talking about this one. So we as a team have been trying to focus more and more when we can. We can't always do this. We've been trying to focus more on pre-production of these videos to try to like I, I hit this realization a while back that I can either be somebody who just makes videos of the things that I'm making and try to make them as interesting as possible, which is what I've been doing for a long time. Or I can like lean into the fact that we are a video production company. And if we're going to do that, then we need to make the best possible video. We need to focus on story. We need to focus on like the kind of story arc stuff that everybody should have in their stories, whether it's narrative or documentary or whatever. And so from that, we've been trying to pre-produce these videos and say like, well, where are the points of potential failure What's actually going to happen through this thing? How can we make it interesting? How can we not give away the ending at the beginning? Stuff like that. So this is the first one where we're really stepping in and trying to build the entire video in order as a true story rather than like coming back at the very end and showing, here's the thing. This mm-hmm. is, you're, you're ready to watch me make this thing that I obviously made because I'm holding it up in front of you. And so <laughs> we're not doing that this time. And... I think it's it's put a little more pressure in a good way on me to like like this it, this thing might not work and if it doesn't work then that's going to be like you said before that's going to be fun 
not fun for me, but it would be fun to see it. Right. You know, put all this effort in and then not quite be right or whatever. How much of an influence did Donut Media and Mark Rober play in when you saw their productions? Um, <laughs> a lot in, in, not in the ways that you would think. So, uh, with Donut, yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, they're like, very, a, they're, they're like a real video production yeah. crew. Yeah. It was strange. It was not what I expected. And so, you know, they had two guys running camera, one worked there and one was like on contract and these rigs that they were holding were, I don't know, 10 grand a piece or something, you know, just like huge cameras. Um, just, it was crazy. Technically it was crazy. Um, but then on the other side of it, the, they had, they had a director who was standing back and he had an idea of the entire scope of the project or the video to be made. And so we were just talking and then he would be like, okay, well, let's, let's try that again, but make sure that you focus on, on whatever. The fact that you don't understand this thing, ask Bob about this thing. And so he was not, it wasn't scripted, but he was directing, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that we don't do and I don't really have any interest in doing. But it was interesting to see that, but it felt very, very heavy production, you know. And I was a character on set. And then you go to Mark's place and it's just Mark. Just just being Mark. And then, like, for some of the scenes, it was two guys with iPhones, his buddies. They're just, like, holding up iPhones and he's talking about the cameras and, you know. And uh, like we pulled out our camera, which is a nice camera, but it's not ten thousand dollar camera. And he was like, "Whoa, what is what is that thing?" Because they're <laughs> shooting on iPhones and Panasonic GH5s, which are nice cameras, but several years old. They're not new cameras. And so we showed him what we shoot on, and I found out yesterday from one of his guys that they just ordered one of the cameras that we have. Oh, nice! <laughs> and so it's interesting. So you had to, you had an impact on them. Yeah, yeah, which is weird but uh it's a totally different those two setups both you know very significantly sized channels a lot of reach they do it totally differently and neither one of their approaches fit what we do Mm -hmm. and so i think you to your question i think for us it was more like oh well i guess there is no right or wrong way to do this we aren't like we aren't as scrappy as we thought we were and we're not as professional as we thought we were you know, yeah. compared to these two other people who are far more successful. So maybe we just kind of figure it out on our own and stop trying to, like, decide whether we're one thing or another. Like, just make the video that we want to make. So we're trying to do that uh, and producing something ahead of time. Say that again? Are there spreadsheets involved? There are no spreadsheets, but we do have documents. Okay. Yeah, we have. <laughs> we top do, secret documents? Not top secret, but like a... You know, there's a there's a story arc, right? right? There's like a typical story arc that you can follow in something where you introduce a character and then you set up their motivation and then you have some sort of a, a down moment, you know, and then you have some sort of an ending moment where you get there or you don't. And so we just took that, uh, we're in, currently in the process of taking that general story arc and building it into some sort of a format so that when we sit down... We don't have to start from scratch every time. We can be like, okay, what is the character? Is it me this time? Is it the Carmagia? Is it the farm? Is it one of you guys because you're here visiting? You know, there's a, a mm-hmm. different thing there. 
And so we're just trying to fill in that format so that when we go to shoot, we know what we're doing. And then all I have to think about is actually making the thing because we've already thought about, you know, we have to make sure we shoot this and make sure we get this and it's going to be happening in this order. We've already done all that stuff at a table and it took 30 minutes. You know, it's not like we're putting a ton of time into it. Um, but that pre-production and that preparation that we've done this week has made this week a lot more enjoyable because I've just gotten to like go to the Bridgeport and, you know, Anthony and Megan know what the potential failures are. And so they're asking, I get to focus on doing the thing. And then they're like, okay, what could go wrong here? And then I can turn to the camera and answer them what could go wrong here. I don't have to think, mm-hmm. I don't have to remember to say that. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so it's been really cool. It's different. And I, I think this video is going to be different and structure wise, which I'm kind of excited about. Nice. I so. have, I, I have, uh, I've been paying attention to numbers and analytics a lot more recently. I've been kind of Jimmy Deresta in the, the whole, this whole channel for, for years. I would look at the numbers, but not really make any yeah, changes. I've, I've made a conscious ever lately to never look at them ever. Really. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, that's changed for me recently, and it's trying to get more of a story, making sure you know there's you know you have three acts and and you're 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 trying to accomplish something. And in my piano video which I was really, really proud of. I had uh, a terrible thumbnail, which led to a very bad click-through rate, but I didn't show the finished piano at the beginning, and I had an amazing like audience retention rate because mm-hmm. people are wanting to see what is going to happen. And then in my recent video, The Cart, I had the highest click-through thumbnail that I've had probably in years. But... Uh, people dropped off after I showed the finished piece at the beginning because they got, they get. It, I think it ruined the story, and so I'm just, I'm yeah. trying to learn from my numbers what works as a good video. So it's it's one of those things that I'm focusing on right now. Yeah, we're doing the same thing on on the same thing. Um, it's interesting. I I you know I go back and forth on feeling like, well, yeah, we should just, like, make a good story. Like, that's the, that's what we should do. And then the other part of me, or, like, the next day, I'm like, I just want to make the thing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, why do we have to worry about all that stuff? I don't, you know, but. Either way, it's funny, because I'm thinking here, how do I handle it? And I I guess what I do, and it's not really extremely conscious, I just break it into blocks. For instance, the sign video I have to make with Wesley, I know I have to make that frame. So I'm just thinking about how I'm going to shoot that whole section of me making the frame and have that as one piece of video sequence. And uh, then when he gets here, we're going to have to skin it, and then obviously we'll figure that out together <clears throat> while we're both shooting our versions of the video. But the Buddha head, I said, okay, part one, or, and it also helps me, and I've always said this, it helps me. It's like, okay, I don't really know exactly where I'm going with this, but I know I at least have to make this form to sculpt and what i'm going to use is this material here so i got to present this material show this is what i'm going to use and then i'm going to cut it apart and uh, glue it together into a big mass and then let that dry and then worry about tomorrow and then tomorrow comes like okay i got this big mass i have to sculpt this into some legitimate looking humanoid figure how am I going to do that? All right, let me just start. And so I get to a point on that where I'm like, okay, I made it through that little firestorm, emotional firestorm, because I wasn't sure how successful I'd be at it. And then I realized what I need to add to it. 
So I add it and then I walk away. So I tend to break it up into sections like that. And then in the edit is where I start to look for some of the stuff you guys are talking about. You know, I just, for me, it's always like just got to get the technical information on camera and then figure it out. And then I, I, I guess maybe lazily, I always rely on maybe a voiceover to fix stuff up. Because in the moment, I always tend to lose my focus. I'll talk about something one minute and then I'll maybe talk about it again in another clip. And then I have two clips of me saying the same thing. And, you know, so I always tend to just be like, just power through it. There's people in the shop talking to me while I'm working. They always blow my focus. So I just, in the moment stuff, I'm just not good at it. If I did have a cameraman like Bob, like you were saying, you had somebody there to kind of coax you into saying things you weren't thinking about, things would certainly be different. Yeah, I think there's a pretty big difference in the way that I think about making a video now versus when I was doing everything by myself. Or even, you know, I mean... Oh, for sure. The beginning of the table video for you guys, I shot all that myself with a tripod because everybody was out of town or sick or whatever. And um, it's very different when you have to... Your mind is holding the build and the shooting and the information to get across, all that stuff at the same time versus you can focus on one of those things. And, you know, I've definitely seen a difference. And when I have to go back to doing all of that stuff myself on any part of a, a video or something, it's it's hard. It's it's kind of exhausting it to hold is. all that stuff it's, in your head. When but, when Daniel's not here and I'm like, oh, I got to go shoot this thing, I'm like, there's always this hesitation. I'm like, it's so much work to shoot and... Yeah. make and perform and 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 think about what I, it's like oh, i just don't want to do it i would just wait till he gets here tomorrow and, and do it. Yeah. it it is it's really exhausting and it takes it takes a long time it's the we it's the in the field that we're in if you want to do youtube videos for a living you it's it's going to continually evolve and you're competing against other really good storytellers and you and time and efficiency is is so important so it's it's one of those things like i gotta have i gotta have help otherwise my videos mm. aren't just aren't as good yeah and you know there's a trade-off there too with help i've found that you can't expect somebody holding a camera to necessarily know what you're going to do next or what you're thinking i have this problem where i'll like i'll start a sentence because I'm not really talking to anybody else. I'm talking to myself out loud. And so I'll start a sentence and I'll get halfway through and I kind of like fade off for a second and it's all happening inside my head. And then I'll come back with a different sentence and everybody around me is like, what? Huh. Like, what? <laughs> what, what, what am I supposed to do? And so with, you know, Anthony shooting or anybody shooting, uh, it's only fair to them if you can fill them in on what the plan is. So they know where to be, what you're going to do, what they need to capture, when the thing's going to fall off the lathe or when the cut's going to be complete or, you know, like you may have a better sense as the person making the thing. And so part of this pre-production that we've been talking about, um, and I think you could do it in any conversational format or whatever, but part of that is like, okay, I'm going to go take this piece to the bridge port. And when I do that, I'm going to have to hold it this way. I'm going to have to cut off these things. And so there's potential failure here. Now Anthony knows he's going to be at the bridge port. I've got to light it. I've got to make sure that I'm out of his way because this one part is dangerous or whatever. And I have to make sure that I get the piece falling off because there's potential danger there. But if I don't tell him any of that, 
he's just like following me around. He might be in the way. He might miss the shot that he needs. You know, that type of stuff. So you have an accent and he goes, did you get that? And he goes, did I get what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was checking my messages. I thought you were done. Yeah. So there's, you know, it's something to learn both directions and they both have kind of different kinds of work to them. But I, I'm really excited about what we've been working toward trying to streamline that process and, and make it just better. Not not even like faster or easier, probably more complicated than anything else. But just Do better. you think about the balance of just having it still feel like a homemade YouTube video versus overproduction? Yeah, we're not trying to overproduce it. We're just trying to make sure we don't miss anything. I think more than anything else, yeah. we're trying to make sure that it that it all gets captured because you can cut away as much as you want in that edit, but if you don't have it to cut away or to include, then you just don't have it. So um, we're trying to keep it so that it's the same tone and the same, I'm actually trying to figure out whether something will work or not, but talking through the process ahead of time just kind of gets everybody on a more level footing for capturing stuff, you know. But I also, I, I don't know. This is, is an interesting thing. So we want, hmm, we want to feel accessible, right? We want what we do to be accessible to other people. But when you do anything long enough, no matter what it is, you level up. Like you can't help but level up. And to hold yourself back to a uh, your beginning level just for accessibility seems like it might be shortchanging the audience a bit. And obviously you can go in production, you could go really high end and you could go all the expensive lights and cameras and people and, you know, make it shoot for TV and then maybe that's too far. But I kind of want to grow up a little bit there. You know, I I want it to be better. I want it to be noticeably improved. And I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you guys, do you have a place where that's like too far there or... Dave, you go first, and I have an answer. Well, here's the—I was talking to somebody, and 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 I, I think I think this is in line with what you're talking about. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they mentioned the Jimmy Duresta sped up videos, and like there's that there's this identity that's associated with Jimmy's videos, but Jimmy's videos aren't that anymore. There's like your video, Jimmy, your mm-hmm. videos now are so much more story driven than they were three years ago, where it was just like throw a girl up in the corner. Now there's, you know, you're, you talk. I've been doing a little bit more, doing a little bit more chat up in the beginning and yeah. in the end. I, honestly, because I feel I, it's, it's been a struggle because I'm worried, like, I don't want the patrons to feel like they're losing out. And also, I need to be a little bit more up to speed on my Patreon stuff. So I apologize for that. But in general, I trying to stick to the core of the idea of just being sped up or at least just showing everything quickly and digestibly <clears throat> versus there needs to be a little bit of a setup here because for me to just jump into a video of me just building my porch, it's like, okay, like, it, feel, it feels like a disconnect, especially since I've been around for so long and I have a much more intimate conversation with my audience. I feel I, I, feel I owe it to the viewer, especially the reoccurring viewers, to me to just go, oh, yeah, you guys have been struggling, watching me struggle with this build. 
here it is. You know, I made it through it. It was tough, but I'm really proud of my results. Just saying that has more of a human touch than me just jumping right into me, just running around right. quickly with timbers and painting and stuff. It just feels like a better setup lately. So, and it's also a little bit of a compromise between the vlog style, which everybody misses, and my regular style. So I feel it's like in between. And the vlogs, I love doing them, but they took forever. And every time I do a vlog, it just gets less and less click through. So I don't do them anymore. And I do still get my, my human touch, so to speak, by being able to chat up or at least stop in the middle and have a little bit of a on-camera voiceover or whatever. It's funny because I'll dig through my footage, especially something I did a long time ago, like the boat or the porch. And I find this whole segment of me talking, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I did that because it's really in the moment and it's nice. I'll use that. Mm. You know, I chop it up and get it tight. And... So I am doing that more just so I have a choice. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just think that continuing to try to be better causes you to change some things, obviously. And well, it's funny. I had this conversation with Derek because we spent a lot of time driving and talking. And I said, I feel, especially without any help, it's difficult for me to do. I mean, right at this point, I don't have anybody to even hold the camera. Occasionally, there'll be like a delivery guy here. And I'm like, could you hold that and just point it over here? <laughs> no, occasionally, I'll do that with my brother. And he gets all like frozen and robotic. He's like, is this? Is this? I'm like, just breathe. <laughs> just breathe. And follow me. And then he's like, zooms in. I'm like, no, 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 you're not a drone. Just stay right there. And I grab his hand and I hold it in space. I'm like, just kind of hover in this area. And don't move and don't get creative because you're not creative. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but the fact that I work alone so much kind of forces me, not forces me, maybe it's, maybe it's me just being comfortable, resting on my laurels and what got me here and sticking to the kind of garage spun semi-amateur style you know I, I did break down and get the sony a3 and uh i love it it's the quality is just unbelievable so much better than the canon that i had previous to that you know that camera was whatever five or six thousand dollars worth of equipment and uh the canon was about four or five thousand dollars worth of equipment i thought i had arrived with the canon and then now that i got the sony i'm like oh man the sony looks so much better so i am happy and there are times where i'm like lazily holding the gopro and i'm like you got a really good camera. Go get the good camera. And so you'll notice in some of my shots, maybe nobody does, but I'll notice that I go between a, a DJI iPhone clip and then the Sony camera almost makes you feel a little bit like at ease because the Sony cameras are so crystal clear. And those other shots are usually fast and wide and just slightly blurry because you can't really get sharp focus on any of those things outside of the A3. So maybe I'm just, maybe it's just me, but I. I tend to, I kind of tend to resist getting more, more advanced. If it was easy, if I had a crew, you know, I, I work with all these people all the time that say, oh, we're going to send you a crew, you know, like the new, my new business venture. They're like, we're going to send you a crew and help you do all your TikToks. I'm like, great. And it hasn't happened. But if it did show up, it would be really nice. Like the day, for instance, the guys from K&S were here, uh, Ted and Scott, those guys did an amazing job on that video on K&S Collective. But it was such a breeze to be able to just walk through and know somebody was picking up all the good stuff. It was just a doc style, so it really wasn't my video. But it was nice to know that I could grab something and hold it to the camera and, you know, Ted was going to be right up on it and have fun trying to get a focus on it and stuff like that. So if I had somebody one of these years, 
I'm sure things would start to look a little different. I mean, Brett was the last guy I had that was a creative camera person, and he would have good ideas often. If I'm, but it's been a while. If I'm not pushing myself within like video production and uh, project complexity, then I'll I'll get very bored, and I don't want to just go and make another crafty project because I won't be totally mm-hmm. into it. And plus, when you do have your you know we'll, we'll call them epic builds when you're done that satisfaction is absolutely amazing I'm like i can't believe i did that so yeah i am pushing myself project wise and production wise and i will continue to do so because it makes it more fun for me it's more there, there's there's more of an emotional attachment to the thing if i accomplish something within myself and if that leaves a certain audience behind because I'm using certain tools or I'm making something that they would never make. That's okay because there's plenty of other creators. There's hundreds of us out there now. There's plenty of other creators that they could go to to watch those things that they are looking for. So I'm hoping that I can, there's the core audience that they come with me and join me on this journey of doing crazy things. And I hope I bring in a new audience that replaces the old audience that says, this isn't for me anymore. Yeah. yeah, I never really, I never personally worry about. Well, that being said, I'm losing audience numbers bigly, to quote Donald Trump, bigly. <laughs> but I, I wonder, and you guys could chime in on this. I wonder if some of the older creators, older in the fact that we've been around for a long time, not necessarily the fact that I'm my age, so old, <clears throat> fifty-five. <throat> I mean, like I'm like. <laughs> I don't know anybody older than me that does this. So honestly, I can't think. Maybe I don't know. I think I'm, I'm probably older than, well, Steve Ramsey is, I think, a few months older than me. But in general, the idea is that, I mean, older channels. My channels would have a 12 or 13 years old. And I wonder if, because I see younger channels that are just a few years old doing very similar videos to the things I've ever done in my life. And they're getting millions of views. And I'm like, I did like almost the exact same video five years ago that got me lots of views. And now people are doing videos and they're getting hundreds of thousands, if not millions of views for fairly similar rudimentary builds. So I just, I jokingly, but now the more I joke about it, the more I'm not sure if I'm not being slowly shadow banned only because of the fact that I've been around for so long. And the fact that it's like, all right, make room for new talent. And because I'll do a video that'll go up to 75,000 views and just literally stop there. And I think to myself, how could the people that have already enjoyed this, these 75,000 people, not at least share it or at least like it and that like not be acknowledged by the algorithm unless it was a conscious effort to just put out to pasture people that have been making doing this. Let's make some room for new guys to shine. I, I, I disagree with that just because I think what worked five years ago for me doesn't work now as far as titles, thumbnails, and projects. And I can mm-hmm. I can look at a video and I can see that um, – yeah, l- just look at your impressions. Like I can – if I'm only getting a 4% click-through rate, of course YouTube is not going to share that. But I can look at the impressions and say, yeah. oh, it, it did show it to 400,000 people, but only four people, but only 4% clicked on that. That's on me. And I, I think I need to fix that. And okay. if you can, hmm. it's, the, the, the game has changed. There's just more of us. And there's just, yeah. and you, the two numbers that you really got to look at is your click-through rate 
and then your average percentage viewed. Because if your click-through rate is high, but people are not watching the video, YouTube is not going to share that with a new audience. But if your click-through rate is high and people are watching all the way through, YouTube is going to try to find a new audience for that. And I think the younger generation coming through only knows about good thumbnails and good titles and, 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 and what works. And we might be kind of stuck in our old ways because we've been doing this for 10 years. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I do point. think that th- there's, there's probably that last little thing that you said that there, there's probably a lot of truth to that. Cause think, you know, in your own head about your favorite music and how, what makes it your favorite music and then think about the music that is being put out right now and why it's so terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Right? Because, like, it's absolutely <laughs> terrible. I say that as somebody who likes music from a time in my life when I, I just was attached to certain music, right? And people who are, you know, 20 years younger than me right now love the current music, just like I loved my current music at that point, just like my parents love their current music at that point. And there's a... Not to be like, oh, we're getting old and everything's going down. I don't, I don't mean to sound like that. I just mean like, there's a point in your life where you think you got it all, and where you like settle into this is kind of the stuff that I like. This is the things that made me happy. These are attached to good memories, and and you get good at something, or you spend a lot of time on something, and then that makes an impression on you. And that impression on you is not the same impression. Like those things didn't have that impression on people coming in the future or people in the past. So as we move through this stuff, we can either decide to add to our quiver of things that we can do, things that we care about, or we don't. And we just have to be okay with letting somebody else come in and take the place. And like I'm I'm finding that within myself. The whole shorts TikTok thing I have a hard time with. Mm-hmm. Not because it's like I don't understand it and I'm a crotchety old man. It's just like I don't want to put my time there right now. I may later. Yeah. And I started my with my web guys. They've been taking my old content. Well, but like TikToks. getting somebody else to do it, right? That's like the, the That's the fix only way I could the, do it. I just I don't have the bandwidth to sit there and try and do exactly. it. Exactly. But my my like leveling with myself on that subject was just like I understand that this is not for me. Like, the Star Wars prequels were not for me. They were for an entirely different generation of people. <laughs> they don't have to make me happy, and I don't have to like them, and that is perfectly okay. And, and and I think that sentiment, like, we can decide to be okay with stuff, like, moving past us, or not. And then we have to we have to fight to catch up, or fight to, like, keep up, you know? I am deciding, and have been deciding for a few years, where I want to put my energy. Like, what's worth fighting for? what's worth staying young for and what's not and uh, trying to make a bunch of young people on YouTube happy infinitely is not on my list. <laughs> just, you know, just always remember, like, as we get older and our beards get grayer, there is still old people, finger quotes, mm, watching yeah. YouTube. <laughs> there's there's still there's still that generation of people watching YouTube. And so... Yeah. Uh, you don't have to make videos for the kids. You can make videos for like-minded people or like-aged yeah. people. Yeah. But yeah. the whole reason I didn't our really... audience like Metallica. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is our black I didn't album. mean to bring up any of this this stuff at the beginning about, you know, cameras and any of that to say that 
that you have to constantly upgrade your gear or your approach to things to be successful. That's not at all what I was saying. I just, I think you can, you can do a great job with an iPhone or with a Android phone, oh, whatever, totally. with your phone out of your pocket. So I'm not trying to say that at all. I was just making the point for us that we are finding an interesting way to, for us to level up what we're doing and try to get better at it, not just do more of it. So that yeah. I just want to clarify uh, that. I'll be honest with you, Bob. When I was walking around with you guys the other day and I was looking at, well, you didn't come with us to your office, but when we went over there with, with Josh and Megan and we were looking around, I was like, wow, I should learn how to do that. I should know how to use that. And then I leave and I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't need yeah. to know how to use that Rode mic or that, that I mean, I have the DJI mic, but <clears throat> excuse me. The idea, I see what other people do and I see like, I see what other other YouTubers are when, the when people that I collab with, like for instance, you know, Paul, I see how Paul shoots his videos and stuff like that. And I always think to myself, should I be doing more? Mm. Should I be doing more? And then I have to have this internal negotiation. I'm like, I'm fine. I don't need to buy a different camera. I don't need to buy more mm. audio gear. I'm fine. I have everything I need. And I always think to myself, a younger up and coming YouTube, for instance, my nephew, Aiden, who's making some waves on his YouTube stuff. He's very small, but he's grown quickly. Aiden would love to have anything that I throw his way. He literally, he came in one day and I literally gave him like 10 GoPros. I'm like, take all these. I never use them anymore. The batteries die quick, whatever, or the, the lens is broken. Take them all. And he was happy to have all that. And his vigor and interest in learning how to do this, he's doing amazing edits and he's getting amazing shots. And I, wa and I watch him when I've seen him in my company shooting. He has a GoPro. He just holds a GoPro and he just uses it and he talks and he'll like turn it on himself and turn it. To, so he's getting really good results with my old equipment. Yeah. He, like the GoPro he's been using is like a GoPro 8 or 7 that I gave him in the beginning of the summer. And, and it looks great. And I said, do you ever have any like SD card errors or anything? He goes, no, <laughs> he broke one in half, but that wasn't. So I'm like, oh, cool. I'm like, just be careful with that camera. You might lose a lot of footage, which is why I abandoned it. But the, the idea is I have to keep reminding myself that I have good gear. And for me, the challenge is how can I use, no matter what it is, whether it's my iPhone or, or this old looking right in front of me, I have a, the GoPro Cube that's you know seven or eight years old. How can I use what I have creatively and just get the best content or the funnest, most interesting content that my audience will yeah. enjoy with what I have? And so I do... I remember, and this might be me subconsciously uh, remembering this moment in time. There was a moment in, in my life about, I guess it was about five years before I got on YouTube, where me and a couple of my friends in the Lower East Side would sit around and constantly talk about making movies. And occasionally we would make a movie. I had an Aeroflex camera. This, right after, actually I bought an Aeroflex just before 9-11. And we would shoot short films and I would get the film developed and put onto a mini DV and then I'd edit the mini DV and not the film because I would just use the film as just the basically the negative and we would sit around and there was a short film festival and we made these completely nonsensical films I have no idea where they are they're like on hard drive so I would never be able to find them and I have them but I didn't document them the way Casey Neistat would have and so we made a couple of these short films and we would sit around and talk about the next big movie we would make and one guy I would hang out with would constantly say, it doesn't matter, you could shoot it on a potato, it's all about the story. And the other guy would constantly talk about, oh, the red camera's coming out, it's this camera made by this guy, he's like the most expensive camera ever made, but he gets the most great. He never talked about story. And the other guy only talked about story. And I was in the middle, and I was like, 
and so like I was saying, that whole conversation in the Lower East Side in the early aughts would kind of got me to where I am now, where it's like I have to constantly remember it's really more about the content and not necessarily about the camera. In hindsight, my friend who was a film student talking about cameras constantly was avoiding story because he was insecure about it. So he would constantly talk about, and then if you guys remember, this was kind of in the timing. It was like in the same few years, Hands on a Hard Body came out. It was a movie that mm-hmm. was about guys who you keep your hand on a hard body truck, and the last person to move their hand from the truck wins it, the very last person standing there. And that was shot on a VHS camera, and it made it to the art houses in New York. And we went and watched it just because it was filmed on a... And it was an intriguing... It, it got published. It got distributed and it was shot on a VHS camera. It wasn't even shot on a DV, I don't even think. Mini DV. And so that set the the proving ground that it's really more about the content and the interesting nature of what it is you capture. So I ha- always have that negotiation that was set in my mind 15, 20 years ago with uh, with uh, my two David friends. And it's always it's always a kind of in the back of my mind. Hmm. So when I'm walking around B&H and I'm looking at it, I'm like, do I need a, a, you know, the latest, craziest, digitaliest, um, craziest, zoomiest lens? And I'm like, eh, I kind of got things that cover all that. I would like a little bit more depth of field, and which is why I really, that's what sold me on the, on the Sony. I bought the most expensive lenses you can get for the Sony because you got really good depth of field and you got, you know, the widest aperture, which gives you the best depth of field. I do know a little bit about technical stuff. I did go to college for a lot of that various camera stuff. And when I got out of SVA, I took some NYU film classes about lighting and stuff. So I have to constantly remind myself, how much am I distracting myself from my goal by Mm. worrying about camera gear versus my goal is here to teach, make interesting things and document it. And that's the duality that I'm constantly struggling with. And more often, obviously, than not, the idea of just documenting what's interesting and fun for what any camera's looking at is really my goal. I think by now, everybody knows. I mean, it's, we say it all the time. Everybody always says, it's not the gear, it's, it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's the story. But I spend a lot of money upgrading my camera stuff all the time, but it's not for higher production quality. It's to remove the barrier for me making a video. I am looking for features in a right. camera that where I can just go in and hit record. I have expensive lights now, but they're all hooked up to a light switch. I can go in my shop. I hit one switch. They all come on. I have a camera that has some in-body stabilization. I'll get a, I'll get the expensive lens that also has that. So if it's handheld, it looks fairly decent. Saves time in editing. So I spend a lot of money on equipment, but it's just to remove barriers. And the byproduct of that is higher production quality. But that's not the purpose of it. And by the way, Dave, you when you gave up your seventy one is it seventy eight or seventy one hundred Nikon? What was that? Uh, that what I bought? I forget. I forget now. Yeah. A7100 yeah. or something? It's funny how these names just immediately just delete from my yeah. hard drive because I no longer have to worry about them. It's like forgetting an ex-girlfriend's phone number. You're just like, oh, I don't need to know mm-hmm. that anymore. But I still have that camera, but that camera, when you sold me that camera, was like a very, it was a big leap in my production quality because it might have been Laura or somebody who was like, I want, I want depth of field. I don't want just one flat image constantly. I don't want to just push in on something because that's what I want to talk about. I want it to be blurred 
off the background of, or I want to adjust my lighting because I was just shooting with a flip camera. Most oh, of my first like, hundred videos I shot on yeah. a flip camera until it just gave up on me one day. And uh, the funny thing was I, I, people laughed the way I composed my flip camera. It was on the tripod, pointed at whatever I was doing. And then if I was kind of partially in the camera or at least on the lens side of the camera to compose it, I had hot glued a, a piece of mirror to the handle of the tripod that pointed at the mirror the mirror pointed at the screen on the flip camera. So I would just move the whole tripod head and I would be looking in the mirror that was hot glued, a piece of broken plastic mirror hot glued to the handle of the pivot head. That's awesome. Yeah, but uh, I remember when I jumped into it because there was a time where I was a little bit more complicated. I had the Panasonic 100 film, you know, film mimic digital film camera. And I remember using that to shoot all my television pitches then there was a big break in the action, and then I got into YouTube. And I was like, I'm going to make this as simple as possible because I'm basically going to make potato chips. I'm not going to make films every week. I'm going to basically make content potato chips people are going to hmm. eat up. And that's why I made the first 100 videos with a flip camera. I kind of eschewed all that, to use Nick Offerman's term, I eschewed all that high-tech stuff that I was actually already in possession of. I had the Panasonic, I forget what the name of that camera was. I still have it. It was it was like one of the, it was like one of those breakthrough cameras that all the hipsters got because it was like one of the I remember putting it on a credit card for thirty six hundred dollars, and I shot two pilots on that that we sold. This, we shot the show, Hammered, which got sold, and we shot uh, Lord of the Fleas, which was then renamed Dirty Money. So buying that camera got both of those two TV shows sold. But then when I jumped into YouTube, I was like, I'm going to just make this as simple as possible. I don't want technology to be a hindrance. I want just what I'm doing to be the shining star. But like you said, Dave, you wanted to just look better and feel better. So you get upgraded equipment as you go. Well, we lost Dave. We lost Dave. I thought he was like really intrigued with what I was saying. He was so intently looking. I was like, he's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> he's frozen. He disappeared. Well, yeah. Hopefully he'll well, that, back. that conversation went well. I didn't expect to go there. Yeah. We didn't really talk about what we were going to talk about, but we can do that next Let's time. See. Dave we just wrote it. Lost the internet. Trying lost to the internet back. trying to come back on. Right. Well, tell you what. We lost Dave, so I'm going to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporters. Um, and in the after show, if he shows back up, uh, <laughs> I have an idea for – I want to ask the Patreon supporters about something. That will be in the after show. So if you're on Patreon, make sure you go listen to that. Everybody on Patreon gets the after show. Um, and no matter the level that you're at, everybody gets it. It's a separate feed, and you get that link from patreon.com slash making it. So if you want to join up, you want to get that after show, you want to hear us talk about secret stuff or whatever, um, just go on over there and check it out. But we have a top group of supporters that I always want to say thank you to, uh, and that is Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, works by Solo Chad for Mancrafting. You can make this too. Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Rich at Low End Designs, Odin Leather Goods, Full Steam Designs, Scott Orem, Warren Works, Michael Menegin, and Gretchen Hofer. So big thanks to them and everybody else over there, uh, like Samuel Gable, also yes. a Patreon supporter. We are very Thank grateful. Um, so, yeah, I've got something I want to throw out to you, too, and to all the Patreon supporters in the after show. We'll get to that. Cool. Do you have uh, something you want to recommend? You know, I'm going to talk about everyone keeps sending me this guy, and I follow him. 
from when somebody sent them to me a few weeks ago. His name is Guillermo. 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 Giletti. Guillermo Giletti, and he is a very talented sculptor artist. Very, very sort of uh, rudimentary. Very, very. Uh, I, I don't want to put this. I don't want this to sound like a put down. His work is very uh, crude, but. Very, very intelligent, and his approach is really more. You can kind of make a parallel what I was talking about. Really, more about the work and less about how you film it. His his stuff is more about the concept and how he gets to it. So he's using metal and plastic and wood to mimic all these human actions. And every I've been sent like at least twice a week. I guess somebody sends me one of his things and says, "Check it out," because his his work is similar in some ways to mine. Hmm. But he mimics human action and animal action by welding bits and pieces of metal together. And, he, he, and he, you could tell he sees somebody do something physically and says, how can I mimic that in puppetry? Guy throwing a javelin, a bird flying, guy doing pull-ups. And he does all these really cool things. And his one that's gone completely viral, it's at about three and a half million, is, is two guys that smash each other. There's like a body of a can. <laughs> I'm looking at it now. It's so funny. It's like a rock'em sock'em robots, but the upper half of the body is a, human, is a can, the humanoid shape. But, and huh. it's just two arms holding a huge hammer. And who's going to smash the can? On the, and the can is the torso of the other figure. And it's very funny. That's been the one that people most send me. But the guy is, is obviously a genius artist, and he's having a lot of fun, and you could see it. Hmm. What's his last name? Uh, let me get back to his to main page. Uh, Guillermo, what's his last name? Guillermo, G-A-L-E-T-T-I. I'm going to forward you one of his things, Bob. Okay. I'll send it to mixed stuff. Cool. Awesome. Well, um, mine is – so there's a channel called Jerry Rig Everything oh, that sure. I've – I've seen the channel around for years, and I don't think I'd ever watched any videos for no particular reason. I just, like, never did. One of them showed up yesterday called I Need Your Help, and so I wanted to see what that was about, so I I watched it. I don't know anything about this guy other than that he is, like, he takes apart technology stuff. Um, I don't know anything about him. But this video was about him... uh, and this guy from Kenya, I believe, who came over 15 years ago to the U.S. and stayed with, like, Jerry's grandparents. Anyway, they've been close for a very long time, and they're like brothers. And so they've been, in the background, building, uh, preparing to br- build a library in Kenya that's going to service, like, a local community and people within hundreds of miles. There's no library anywhere close there. And so basically they've they've been using YouTube money to build this library and to add a well to this area so that it's a community center, but they need books. And so he goes through this whole thing, talks about the whole project, and it sounds really cool. And then at the end is we need books, not like your grandmother's cookbooks, like your favorite books when you were a child so that these kids in Kenya can have books cool. that can help their imagination and help them learn to read English and all this type of stuff. It was really cool. And so I immediately went to Amazon, bought some books and had them shipped to his place in Utah. They're getting all of the books there over the next few weeks. And then they're going to make one shipment. They've already worked out the import export and import stuff oh, to get cool. them there. And um, so it's a, it's just a cool thing. It's getting books to people who don't have books just like I wonder how many uh, I wonder how many versions of Catcher in the Rye is going to get. 
I don't know. <laughs> That's <laughs> nobody's <laughs> favorite book. Oh, hey, David's back. <laughs> David's back. <laughs> we can't see, see you, there. but we can hear you. Um, so anyway, it, it's. I'm going to put a link to the video. You should go watch it if you feel like sending some books to a random group of people that you'll never meet that could just make their life better and you know give kids stuff to read. You should. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a really cool thing to me, so I'll put a link to that. David, welcome well, back. My internet died, so I am now using my phone's wireless, so I have video shut off just to keep oh. everything going. Cool. So okay. uh, my pick this you have week to it, recommend? Yes. Uh, I'm going to go with the Clamp podcast. I was a guest on their podcast oh, yeah. this week. These guys are cool. And, oh, uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a really good time chatting with them. So from one podcast to another, the Clamp podcast. Yep. They're sweet cool. guys. They're, it's funny yeah. to see, like, young guys coming up, and they're doing a good job. Yep. Yep. I was on there one time as well. It was a good time. Cool. Well, um, I was telling them, him, and everybody listening, that I've got an idea for Patreon stuff that I want to talk to you guys and the Patreon supporters about in the after show. So we'll go do that right now. Sweet. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Love you. Thank you.